Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ball knocked down by Mount, picked up by Shackelford, into Alcindor, two more for the Bruins. Cheryl Miller, beautiful 15-foot jumper. Patrick wants to go baseline, sends it inside to Miller. And Miller tries to put a little reverse in, but what a shot by Reggie Miller. Underneath, Harold driving, reverse lay in, that's it. 15 points, he's reached the 2,000 plateau. Bibby, three points, he's six of them Saturday. He continues to sizzle. But he has, has it, there it is, in time. Here's Hannah Jump, three-point specialist. And there is Sabrina Ionescu with the rebound. She has just become the first player in Division I history with 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 1,000 rebounds. A historic mark set by Sabrina Ionescu. Welcome back into Believe in Pac-12 Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network. Joined by former Oregon State guard Ahmad Starks. I'm Sun Devil alum Michael Caratinuto as, man, well, what a week we had last week. Obviously talking with uh, all everything uh, and Ahmad's big brother who, well, Ahmad was was fair enough and I guess man enough to let us know that, uh, that, that Jerome always whooped him, but Jerome Randall joined us, but that's all right. I, I I think you got him in the future, Ramon. I think you got him. No, man. I <laughs> Jerome, he was everything. I had to give him the uh, give him his kudos, give him his due credit. Like we talked about, a Hall of Famer, and uh, I'm I got him. I got him coming up, but uh, I, I'll get those for sure. But man, he deserves all this credit. He was great, and I, I loved having him on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to, for anyone that didn't listen, hey, it's all right. It's up. Go back and listen. Obviously how he got to Cal and then his time there thinking about leaving them. Mike Montgomery came in and kind of just reinvigorated his, his college career there at Cal. And then, but the, the ups and downs as a pro coming back now, like you said, from a torn ACL, but just the issues overseas, like you said, everybody. And again, a lot of people, yeah, you want to play in the NBA, Ahmad, but a lot of people, oh, you're overseas, you're getting paid as glamorous. And I mean, you struggled with it, obviously, you know, getting paid two, three, four months later, stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, but the fact that he's been through all that and he's given back and he's training. So it was awesome to have it on, but we're kind of, we're kind of keep that rolling this week. We're going to talk about, we're going to go our top five guards. Now I could say of all time, but I mean, again, I, and I, I dug around and looked back and there's one, I think I have one or two on here that maybe might surprise you, Ahmad, but there's a lot of guards to talk about. I mean, it's always been a conference and even, you know, like you were saying before we had Jerome on, Jerome said, I mean, you looked at the conference and like you said, it was a conference known for its guards. Yes, they had success in the conference, but Hey, guess what? They also went to the next level, went to the NBA. So a ton of guards that came through. What do you think 
I mean, overall recently, I mean, obviously you were there, you played, but I mean, you've, you've talked about it, but how do you think the guard play overall has, uh, has, I guess, evolved in the pack and where, like where it's at now? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think, like I said, uh, when I was coming in, it was a big time guard conference, especially heavy on the point guards um, before. And I think it's on its way back to that um, from a point guard, just a guard standpoint in general. Um, I think it's on its way back to the elite level that it once was. It was incredible before me when I was coming in and things like that. So those guards, either NBA or high level pros overseas, just incredible amounts of talent that you were facing night in and night out. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to see what the future holds as far as that. And just thinking about my days with playing against, oh man, Isaiah Thomas, Clay Thompson, some, some great Arizona guards and like Momo Jones who may not look so great to the Arizona fans, but was a tough, tough guard and having a stellar career overseas. I mean, there's, there's just so many that we'll, we'll get into um, as we talk more down the subject. Well, you bring up a great point, too, when you're saying Momo Jones, because in the moment you look at these guards, and you're like, oh, you know, he's playing really well. But with going into Arizona as a guard, I mean, it, it is the pantheon of guards. I mean, it has been that. I mean, you said Lute Olsen came in 83 and 82, 83, and he understood right away, like, not that they had bad players, but yeah, you got to get local guys to stay like Sean Elliott, but who wasn't a guard, but man, it's just, you come in as a guard and to me, you hit the nail on the head. You just have to focus on what you need to do. And I know it sounds like coach talk and player talk and cliche, but to get better every day, A and B, you can't think about the long list of guards that was in front of you because you could, you could psych yourself out in your own head coming into Arizona, just knowing that here's the same thing with UCLA too. I mean, yeah coaching wise. I mean, we talked about John Wooden when we talked about him, obviously our, our number one coach when we did the top 12 of the conference, but you can't come in as a coach and think, worry about all that he did. Granted, again, there weren't as many teams. The game was different, but he still brought in the right kind of players for everything. So you coming into Arizona as a guard, I mean, any school as a guard, you can't look at it and be like, oh, I, I got to you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You need, you were brought in for a reason, play your game. Yes, you obviously can play at a high level, but man, you're right. I mean, even even walking into ASU, I mean, I think about the the team having success under, like a little bit of success, more success now under Bobby Hurley, who was one of the great college guards of all time at Duke. And you look at guys that came in, I mean, Byron Scott's, you know, jersey is retired in the arena. And you look at the NBA career he had, but even then with him and, um, Fat Lever and Alton Lister, they were they were a team that definitely had made some tournament runs. I mean, it's old school, but you see that, and I mean, it's exponentially greater at U of A. But you're right, man. I mean, I mean UCLA, and I mean, you know, Gary Payton up at Oregon State. I mean, Stanford's had had their share, obviously Cal as well, and UCLA, even USC. I mean, you look at it, it's like, man, all these all these guards, not even just point guards, just guards in general. And I know we were talking before, but Reggie Miller listed as a forward. I mean, I know in the NBA he played pretty much as that two guard because he was a nightmare of a matchup who just kept running back and forth on the baseline to get his open shot. But I look at these guards and just even doing research and trying to narrow down this list, it was insane. It's just, it's insane. So, I mean, to piggyback off what you said, I mean, you know, the guys that are there now, it's, you see it. And I mean, Colorado, like I said, they've had solid guard play. 
um, Arizona. I mean, Nico Mannion, I think, grew in, um, for Arizona as well as the season went on. And, I mean, a guy like Remy Martin, who was a three-year guy, came off the bench his first year, but then starting the last two. And, I mean, had it not been for – this is a guy that was averaging almost 20 points a game on the road, Remy Martin, in the conference this year. And if it wasn't for Peyton Pritchard's huge year, he could have been player of the year. But, again, I – it's not that all players aren't good. We'll get to different positions throughout this, but I mean, you look at the guards and it's just like, literally like, uh, like I was saying to you guys last week, Daryl Morey could be like, I'll just take the five best of all time. And I'll just try and run everybody up and down the court. No, man, it's uh, all truth be told. It's a guards game. Um, basketball is a guards game. And there, there definitely have been dominant big throughout um, just basketball in general, NBA college. There've been those down, but you have to have, guard play that's smart enough to realize that if the big is dominant, if the big needs the ball, they have to get the ball there, you know? So it's still a part of the guards doing their job to get that done. And then you have guards who can score the, score the ball. They can really pass the ball, know how to find teammates. whenever. So it all revolves around good guard play. You see that in NCAA tournament, most of the time it's great guard play that gets it done. And so it's very exciting to watch when a team has, you know, just, just, top of the line guards. It's very interesting. Let me ask you this, though. I mean, Magic Johnson, obviously, back in the day, changed, like, dude, 6'9", everybody's like, he should be playing in the post. He was a disgusting point guard. I mean, his handle was sick. You get a guy like Ben Simmons, same thing, 6'10". Scotty Pippen, I mean, everybody, we talked about the last dance. He said he kind of started that almost point-forward thing because he was used to bringing the ball up to court in college. Mm -hmm. But how has, like, obviously, more so, instead of listing guys as you know, threes or fours and going to wings and guys like Dirk Nowinski that were taking the outside shots. How has that kind of changed for what, what one sees as a guard in your eyes? I mean, or has it changed? I guess I'm asking you, has it changed what people see as a guard? Because you can be now six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, bringing the ball up the court. I know LeBron does. And I mean, they list him as a forward, but I mean, for, to me, for bringing the ball up the court, I'm not saying just once, but a huge percentage of the time you're, I mean, you're a guard, you're almost, you're the point guard. No. Uh, and it, it's bigger than, uh, just speak on that point. It's bigger than just bringing the ball up the court, but touche. Um, yes, I do think things like magic John players like magic Johnson and other people have changed the outlook of the point guard. You know, originally it would look like a Bob Cousy slash John Stockton, um, from the jump, but then you add an Allen Iverson, you add a magic Johnson, you add, you know, now you're looking at players start to evolve and you see who was more of a, a two guard early on turns into a point guard in Russell Westbrook. So that type of now he's a point guard getting 25 plus points a game and still getting 12, you know, triple doubles for three straight years, which is let me shout that out. That's an amazing Pac-12 guard who did that, who it's it's amazing what he normalized. You know, he's. It, it's to his fault that he averaged three straight years triple-double and is nowhere near the MVP conversation. And to me, it's, and, I, and I understand it, but it's also like he's not even in the conversation. And I think partly because he made it normal. You know, it's not an interesting storyline. MVP gets a, it has this storyline a part of it. The first year, you know, he was the first one to do it since Oscar and all this other stuff and a point guard led them to the playoffs and all that. Now it was just like, 
Okay, that's his every night thing. It's not it's not exciting anymore, which is that's incredible. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, you're hundred percent right because there's always gonna be those you know, haters out there, especially now saying, oh, with the rebounds, like his teammates were letting him get some rebounds. It's like, dude, the dude's rebounding the ball and flying up the court. I mean, Magic used to do it. And when, again, when LeBron does it, oh, he got a trip to bubble and oh, yeah, he's rebound. Look at it. And that. It's, I get it. And, but you're right. But what Russell Westbrook has done, yeah, it, it's, but when you're playing next to another MVP in Harden, I mean, I know obviously he played next to Durant for quite a while, but when you're playing next to Harden too, it makes it a little different to, you know, you're, you're taking a little bit away from each other there. Yeah, they're trying to figure out how to, how to make it work and how to, how to win is what they're trying to do. And still, they still need those guys to be very effective. So you have to figure out how to mesh it. And for Russ, I mean, he did it with Kevin Durant on his side, um, you know, stellar, stellar numbers. And then the triple doubles were without Kevin, I believe. But still, crazy nonetheless. So he did it with and without star players around him. But, you know, Players like that, and like we said, Magic, he changed the outlook of things. And then you still go back to guys who, like Steve Nash or Jason Kidd, still um, still scored the ball, you know, more than John Stockton. But, you know, they were still pretty much kind of pass versus kind of guys. So you still have that. They, that, that even evolved because of Chris Paul now. Right. Is more or less a pass first guy who I love Chris Paul. But Chris Paul still averaging close to 20 points for his career. So you still are scoring the ball, but you're figuring out how to do both. Like 20 points, nine assists is what he's averaging. So it's like, you know, Isaiah Thomas. Got to throw him in there. Um, the old Isaiah Thomas. So um, th- those guys figured out how to be very effective passing the ball. But also, I can get 20 points at the same time. So that look on point guards has evolved. All right, before we get into our guards, I got to ask you, though, with Houston, I mean, and we've touched on a little bit, but Ken with Westbrook and Harden, I mean, and that small ball, do you think that this bubble could favor them and they could kind of be that upset team that could win it all playing small ball? I don't think there's a chance in hell. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, And it's not, it's less about the small ball, less about that. I mean, because it's going to be tough to one. I don't think any team can beat the Lakers in a seven game series in a seven-game series, with the exception of the Clippers if they're clicking. So my opinion, this is an L.A. win. Uh, City of Los Angeles is getting a ring this year, um, either team. But I, as far as Houston, I don't think their style can get them a championship. I don't think, I don't think James Harden can, can, you know, 10 dribble move you to a three into a championship. That's just my opinion. It's not to knock on James. He's a great scorer. He'll be go down as one of the best of all time and all that type of stuff. It's amazing what he's doing. I just don't know if there's enough to do that night in and night out when the defense is tailored to you for seven games. You know, you got to beat everybody four times. And it's tough. You, you're worn out. Doing that all season and then trying to do that in the playoffs, it shows. You know, Golden State was a hell of a team, but it also he was also worn down not year in, year out. So I think it's tough to your point. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, it's, it's one of those things where I would love to see it just because, I mean, I know what Daryl Morey has done. And it's one of those things where he'll, he wants to keep the nucleus together, but he'll shake it up to try something different. And I mean, everybody's, you know, it's funny you say getting a break from the Lakers. I, I have the, my pick before the whole shutdown, I had the Clippers and the Bucks in the uh, finals with my caveat, maybe being, like we were talking about last week, 
the Clippers and the Raptors, because I think in the East, everybody, I mean, the Raptors can definitely give anybody a completely hard time, but that being said, it'll be interesting. I mean, of course I'd always root for James Harden. Well, and even Westbrook pack 12 guys, another two to add to the championship rings that this conference has, uh, has produced that we touched on, but all right, let's, let's get into it though. I mean, our top guards of, of in the conference. And I mean, I went all time and um, there's just, there's so, so many, I mean, I know, we talked about, well, you mentioned Jason Kidd. And, I mean, Jason Kidd to me was one of those guys that in college was, I mean, obviously amazing. But um, there was a story I heard on the radio years back. And, um, actually, I had heard Jerry Tarkanian uh, tell because I, I saw him at a basketball um, seminar. But he didn't say who he was talking to. And then I heard Colin Cowherd on the radio saying he was at uh, – recruiting thing at camp and Jason Kidd and everybody's buzzing about Jason Kidd's when Colin Coward was working in Vegas and he looked at he goes goes over to you know talk to Tark and he said yeah you know I mean he's not obviously he's got good handle but a shooter I mean he'll play division one but he just was a self-proclaimed not the best of shooters but had a bigger body like I said back guys down he gets this rebound Ahmad and like I said I heard Tark tell it and Colin Coward was telling it he gets this rebound Jason Kidd takes like two drills, starts going up the court and just lasers like a 55 foot bounce pass to his teammate who dunks it. And Tark said, Tark looked at Colin Coward and he said, that's why everybody in the country wants Jason Kidd. And you know, as a guard, I mean, yeah, to throw it about an overhand pass is one thing, obviously to get it down court, but he just took two dribbles and just lasered a, a 50, 55 foot, he said, bounce pass. Like it was nothing and they get the bucket. And I mean, Jason Kidd, what he did, I remember watching him, you know, seeing him playing as a guard. A lot of times smaller guys would be guarding him and they would put him down on the block and he had those tough moves. I mean, it paid off for him in the NBA. He became a little bit of a better shooter. He was money. You look at a guy like, um, you know, I Cal another, uh, and, you know, we talked about Gary Payton who as <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. Gary Payton averaged 18.1 points per game, 7.8 assists, four rebounds in his career at Oregon State. Um, two guys that, I mean, stick out right away. And then you have a guy like Aaron Aflalo, who meant everything, obviously, to that uh, UCLA, UCLA offense is what he did, how he was able to flow with the game and everything like that. And I, I just – Man, I mean, again, another long string of UCLA guards that, I mean, he averaged almost 15 a game, two assists, but three and a half rebounds, um, solid. Then you have a guy like, you know, Damon Stoudemire, Mike Bibby for U of A. I mean, even um, Jason Terry, Jason Gardner. Uh, it's just the list goes on and on. Even a guy like that was a son that actually ended up at Cal, I think, because – our Jason Kennedy up a cow because of him, but uh, Kevin Johnson back in the day, he was a smaller guard too. Yeah, nice, very nice. KJ rocked it, and um, but I, like I said, I mentioned Byron Scott, uh, guys like, and you even touched on him last week. I mean, but uh, Demar Derozan, obviously uh, Nate Robinson, Isaiah Thomas, Clay Thompson, um, you know Byron Scott, who I had mentioned, obviously being at ASU. Uh, you had Eddie House. Um, James Harden, who we've talked about, uh, Brevin Knight. To look at all these guards and to pick five, 
is well, and, and I have three on the bench too because I'm kind of a I'm kind of a waffler as you've as you've come to see Ahmad. Can't just take stick with one number. Usually you have to have a little bit extra. But no, to take five, um, and even somebody. Okay, I got to tell you this thing because I went back. I mean, and even recently, like we talked about Lonzo Ball uh, for UCLA as well. But Gail Goodrich at UCLA back in the day with John Wooden brought UCLA their first two titles. He was he was um, the first title. He led them to a thirty and zero record. One of the first times they were undefeated. He averaged um, like over 21 and a half points that year, but he wanted to go to USC because his dad did. And USC, when they started recruiting him, he was only 5'8". He, he grew to be 6'1", but Gail Goodrich, I mean, it, it even started back then. And I don't even think they really tracked assists back then, Ahmad, because you can find points and rebounds for uh, Goodrich, but there's no assists. They didn't track assists back then, which I don't understand why, but whatever, it evolved. Um, but Gail Goodrich, I mean, what he did and then what he did in the NBA, playing for the Lakers and Suns, and I think he played for the Bucks for a little bit, but the prime of his career, I mean, he played next to Jerry West <laughs> coming off the bench. He started, I mean, but at UCLA, back-to-back titles. And then even if you fast forward to uh, Henry Bibby, who, who averaged, you know, over 14 points a game, but they said he was – John Wooden on the court. If you ever – people said – and, again, I didn't see him play. I've seen videos um, or highlights. But the thing I read the most, basically everybody saying that he was John Wooden on the court. He was what the prototypical point guard, you know, going to the future needed to be. But 14 points a game, three and a half rebounds. He led UCLA to three straight championships. We talked about that before. But also the first 47 games of their 88-game winning streak, he was the point guard for. And to think that it's just even elevated from there, I know, again, more teams get in the tournament. It's gotten bigger. Travels is a little bit different. I understand it. But just the fact you go from Goodrich to, like, a guy like Bibby, and then you just keep elevating Henry Bibby, all these guards. And, I mean, I even left some names out, but it's, it's, it's a pretty sick list. That, that's incredible. Honestly, it's, it's it's super incredible. Um, say the least. I'm thinking, give 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 me give me give me your faves. Give me some of your favorites. Well, I definitely have to say that. Okay, I'll 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 say these first because being a Sun Devil, I'm a homer. Like Eddie House, James Harden, absolutely loved watching play. Uh, couldn't could not get enough. I mean, even Headache Smith when I was a kid. But like, if I have to go with like this, like. Um, Jason Kidd, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> Gary Payton. I mean, Harden's right there too. Uh, Mike Bibby to me, Brandon Roy. I loved watching him. I mean, when that guy was healthy, absolutely ridiculous. And I know he got banged up in college, but then he came back and he was taken off in Portland. And then the injuries just came back and back and back. And I mean, he's the crazy thing is he still looked good, but he just, it was too much. Brandon Roy, um, I mean, Nate Robinson, of course, I love because dude was like just dunking like it was nothing. Um, you got to love just – but it wasn't even just about that. He still was a distributor. It wasn't – yeah, everybody's, oh, highlight. He just wants to get the dunks. But he's dishing the guys. He's running the offense. I mean, they were winning games, and he wasn't – it was that. Um, Harold Miner, I mean, getting to see him play, absolutely. Um who else? Baron Davis. Uh, see, again, you go through this list and like, oh, oh, by the way, Baron Davis. Like, 
let's say he was the most dominant, but he was very, very solid at UCLA. And um, you saw the talent there. His highlights look amazing at UCLA. Absolutely amazing. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Damon Stoudemire too. I mean, I have to say what he did. I mean, you, you look at, you knew this guy was going pro. Um, I know he was a part of that team that I, I was teasing you. I know in our first episode about Arizona, but you can thank U of A for Steve Nash's career because Nash hit the winning shot against them in the first round of the tournament to knock him out. Um, and it, so, I mean, but Damon Stoudemire with that, what, what he did and, you know, again, it's hard not to look at, yeah, if they had an NBA career, but yes, I can look at were they dominant in college. Yes. Um, you know, DeMar DeRozan, like, how is he? Like, he's like an afterthought, which is crazy. I mean, he's not, but you look at the list. Um, but yeah, seeing live, like I said, I got to see, well, and again, I always thought he was a guard, but seeing Reggie Miller live was awesome for me. But Russell Westbrook, um, I mean, Eddie House, all those times, James Harden obviously as well. Um, I, I'd put them, I'd put, I'd put them right up there, but getting to see Damon Stoudemire play and Mike Bibby play. Um, oh, Aaron Brooks. And I mean, obviously I saw Darren Collison play too. Uh, oh, OJ Mayo. There's another guy that kind of gets, you know, oh, well, he's at USC, but still, I mean, OJ Mayo was, was sick. Um, so I know that doesn't really answer it, but yeah, I mean, if I had a pick to see, say I just had a pick to see three, I'd definitely take Harden. I'd definitely take Jason Kidd. And I got to say, because as much as I love Gary Payton, but I, I would go with Nate Robinson because he just energized that whole Washington team. And yeah, I mean, when they said 5'9", I'm like, yeah, I don't know, 5'9", but the dude, he's got, it doesn't matter. Dude's got hops and he's throwing it down on people. No, no, big time. That's a, that's tough. I guess it would be some favorites of mine that I like. I kind of wish that I would have seen um, James Harden. I never, I never caught any of his games in college. He wasn't like a superb name as far as that goes. Real quick, you want to know the the crazy thing about Harden? His two seasons here, he led in scoring and steals both seasons. So doing it on both ends of the court. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that, that's good. Uh, I played with a guy who. You know, if I'm not mistaken, did that. Um, Jared Cunningham at Oregon State, I believe, he led the pack in scoring and assists my sophomore year. I mean, steals, sorry, and steals. And I don't know, he was not player of the year, which I was pissed at, um, but he was a really good player. But I will say, I wish I saw GP, I wish I saw James Harden, and I wish I saw Nate Robinson. Uh, no, 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 sorry, I did see Nate, though. I did see Nate just, you know, TV games, uh, things like that. I saw Aaron Brooks. But those two, I wish I saw GP and James Harden in college. Um, I definitely wish I saw those. Uh, maybe some Jason Kidd or Kevin Johnson as well. Yeah, those would be tough. Yeah, my sister actually, because like I said, she went to U of A. Um, but she saw, again, with the raffler tickets, but she got to see Jason Kidd play. She said he was just, I mean, it was a good game, but he was just sick. I mean, you could just see it. Oh, another one would be uh, would be uh, Damon Stoudemire. He was one of my favorites as a kid. He was obviously a smaller guard, you know, everything for that. Um, but Damon was his rookie year. I went to a game. I think I saw him play at the Garden. I think he was with Vancouver Grizzlies, maybe. Uh, like his first year, I think he might have been with the Grizzlies early, but it was his rookie year or Toronto, maybe. Um, he was uh, phenomenal. I saw him play at the Garden his rookie year, and it was, it was phenomenal at the Garden. So I, I wish I would have saw him in college. 
Yeah, I mean, I paid attention to him in college, but yeah, it was more, you're right, it was more of a Mighty Mouse, as they called him. Exactly. I wanted that tattoo when I was a kid. I, I never got it, but I wanted that. Oh, you're right. The Toronto Raptors from 95 to 98. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, Toronto Raptors. Oh, you saw him play at the Garden? Yeah, I saw him play at the Garden as a kid. Super young. Man, I would have been super young. But, yeah, I do remember that. That was crazy. Yeah, because then when he went to Portland, those teams, I mean, oh. Yeah, you knew he was he was headed to the pros. But, yeah, Damon Stoudemire definitely was uh, – was worth the uh, the price of admission, dude. That was, I mean, he averaged 15 points a game, five assists, 3.8 boards for his career. Like I said, took him to the tournament. Unfortunately, lost in the first round, but then I went to, uh, I want to say like a Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Some of the ones that I I like, I played against these top top guards. I've said that I played against. Now that I'm thinking about it, Isaiah Thomas, Washington, without a doubt. Um, yeah, my first time seeing playing against him, he had a Really good game against us. It was intense at the up in Washington. Um, but I also got my first Pac-10 starting win against him, so that was good. Back when they came back to Corvallis, so I remember that. Um, Clay Thompson, Clay Clay, lost to him twice, but he was phenomenal the first time out. Um, I had no idea who he was, but I found out quick. Um, any other guard that stuck out to me when I was playing? There were some good ones, of course, all through the pack. There were always some good ones. But I think, I think those two stand out to me the most, obviously. I'm not sure anybody else just, you know, sticks out like that. Yeah, I never, I never got to see Clay play here, but I saw him play on TV. And watching Clay, oh, yeah, he was – you knew it was going to be there. And, again, that's why I love when people say, you know, him teamed up with Steph, and it's sick. I mean, that is a disgustingly phenomenally phenomenal shooting backcourt. But, um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't even have to dribble. Like we talked about before, I mean, his 60-point performance, in the, he took 12 – it was 12 dribbles and he scored 60 points. I think that's the nature of their offense as well. Like, uh, and so, obviously, it's a luxury he can shoot the, shoot the crap out of the ball. Um, but it's, a, it's just a testament to their offense and where they play and who they have for. But it's still a great – yeah, but even in college, I was going to say, I mean, he would – not that he was, you know, dribbling, 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 and, but he just I just saw the shot, and I was like, man. No, it's incredible. It's a pitch-perfect shot. Like, his, his, his form and technique is, like, ideal. Steph is the greatest shooter ever, but look – if you look at someone's shot, it, it plays that you want to mock. I know, and, and you're, you're, you're a good friend, former president, Barack Obama, when they were at the White House, was teasing him, was like – you know, giving Steph a hard time. He's like, well, we all know we have to learn how to watch a shoot from Clay, though. And he said that, which is funny. No, it's real. They were probably, you know, obviously just joking around and stuff, but it's Clay's shot. It's just, it's, it looks so perfect. I and mean, if you want to teach someone how to shoot like that, that's what you want to mock. Right. No, absolutely. So I guess, I guess I'll go first with my, with my top five and my other three. So at number five, I'm going with, uh, with Jason Kidd. Because everything I said, just the way he came up, and I mean, passing, he was just kind of that more physical point guard. He wasn't obviously 6'9", seeing over everybody like Magic Johnson, but the handle, just the grasp of the game, the IQ, Jason Kidd is my number five. My, uh, my number four, because I really obviously was not alive to see him play, but I wish I could have, is Gail Goodrich. Because I remember my dad real quick of my talking about those Lakers teams. 
and you know, with Jerry West, and they're saying Wilt, but they're saying, yeah, Gail Goodrich was the guy that just the other guys, of course, could get buckets, as we all know. I mean, Jerry West, the Hall of Famer in the logo, Wilt Chamberlain, dominant, disgusting, awesome. Um, but they said, yeah, when it's, it seems like if they needed to get something going, like Gail Goodrich, again, nobody makes every shot, but it seemed like if they were cold or something like that, he they gave him the ball and he made the shot. So, and what he did at UCLA again, going 30, you know, leading him to a 30, you know, and uh, 63 64 back to back championships. He's my number four. My number three, this is tough, but I went with, uh, I went with Harold Miner at number three, just because, I mean, the baby Jordan and, he lived up to it, though. I mean, he, again, it was at USC, and, man, I mean, just the guy scored, I know, over 2,000 points in his career, and he only played three seasons. If he didn't declare for the NBA draft, which would have been ridiculous, but if he played four seasons, I mean, he probably could have put a few records out of reach uh, with what he had did. But Harold Miner is number three. My number two is James Harden. Again, Sun Devil or not, but like you said, I mean, leading the Pac-10, I, I didn't realize it. I knew it was scoring, but the fact that in steals, and I know Herb Senek, they played a lot of zone. He was on that wing. They didn't have to play a lot of man, but he always got in passing wings. He wasn't just looking to score. Uh, the excitement back in the, in the arena when he was there, uh, absolutely, absolutely awesome. And my number one, though, Going with your guy, I'm going with Gary Payton. Uh, what he did at Oregon State, I mean, the defense, but still averaging, like you said, over 18 points a game, seven assists, uh, 7.8 assists, four rebounds for his career. It's just what he did. And again, I mean, it was a, a conference that guards had already put it on the map, but he definitely, he made the Pacific Northwest uh, cool to go to. <laughs> but Gary Payton is my number one. My three on the bench. Uh, Mike Bibby, definitely going with Mike Bibby there. I mean, 15 points, five over five assists, over three rebounds. But that missing key to what Lou Olson needed for his first national title. Uh, I know Miles Simon, obviously, the what he meant to the team. You had Jason Terry coming off the bench. But, yeah, Bibby just, I mean, crushed three after three in the tournament. Uh, he was the point guard that they, were, that they needed. So he's my first on the bench. My second on the bench Ahmad, I'm going with Brevin Knight at Stanford. Uh, and again, and a lot of people, he would be in the top five. I mean, he turned Stanford was kind of in a, in a downslope before he got there. And in like three years, he just made it absolutely. Um, he just, what he did for Stanford in three years was sick. Pardon me. Um, he took him to the tournament. I think they were what, seven, they were seven and 22 uh, before he got there. And and they hadn't been past the first round of the NCAA tournament since 1942. He led them to three straight 20-win seasons, two second-round appearances, and one Sweet 16 appearance. I, I, again, the guy that just had a feel for the game, like I said, just about 15 points a game, um, almost seven assists and almost four rebounds a game. So he's my second off the bench. And my third off the bench is going to be Clay Thompson. Um, I mean, that shot – Again, with, with any of these guys, people would be like, why won't you have them in the, in the, in the top five? There's really no losing here, um, to say the least. And so those are my five. So, again, Kidd at five, Gail Goodrich at four, Harold Miner at three, James Harden at two, Gary Payton at one, and then Mike Bibby, Brevin Knight, and Clay Thompson off the bench. And I got, I got eight guards that could go win me a title. Okay, I like that. Let me, let me see what I got here. Um, I'll go the starters first, I guess. 
Um, I'm going to start off with Damon Stoudemire at number five. Uh, Mighty Mouse is incredible. U of A, love it. Um, so I got to go with that. Number four, Jason Kidd, Kyle alum, love those. Uh, Hall of Fame guy, big time. Um, number three, Harold Miner. You know, looking up stuff about him and watching highlights and hearing all the baby Jordan and his his numbers at USC just speak. They just read across, you know, across those three years. They just, he just got it done in, in three years and the numbers read. Um, number two, James Harden. Uh, it's not much to explain there after what he did in two seasons plus what he's doing now. More importantly, obviously, we're talking about college, but he just, he came in, came in two years, tore it apart and left. Um, and then number one, we'll go with GP. Uh, you know, that's, that's big time. What he did at Oregon State, made a huge name up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, averaging big time numbers, the defense, the tournament, everything like that. He just, uh, he was, he was special and he was a dog. He was, he was aggressive with it. He wasn't, it wasn't just, the, it wasn't just, he was shooting, he was doing it all. Um, so off the bench, I got a little biasness in this, but I'm going to put it, uh, give some, Favorites is the people I've played against and know a little bit. Um, this one's it's hard. So for one, I got off the bench. I got Jerome Randall. It's not even close. Um, I got to put him in there. Um, I've seen what he's done since the kid. Also, we touched base on what he's done on the Pac-10 level. Um, Hall of Famer, um, all-time leading scorer, all-time free throw percentage, you know, just everything he's done. Pac-10 player of the year. Very quick, handles the ball better than anyone I've ever seen. Um, then I'm going to go with Clay Thompson. Seen him shoot our lights out up in, up in Wazoo. My first time gave us 30, almost dunked on me. I was smart enough to move out the way. Um, and this is, it's a toss up right now between, and I, I'll give you, I'll name, I'll name, uh, I'll give you one, but my toss up is between Baron Davis and Isaiah Thomas. And I'm going to give love to death know him as well a little bit um isaiah but i'm gonna have to squeeze bd in um baron davis on that one. so that's that's probably my a right there Baron is phenomenal. well we can make we can make uh isaiah thomas your alternate and we can make baron davis my alternate but you know gary payton was at the time i know when one like i said one of the articles that i was looking at and i looked at his stats and even looking at i mean more so at highlights i mean you see the stats but it's like Going back, looking at old school highlights, I was like, man. But Gary Payton is is in a well was sixth at the time in conference history in points, and this is back in 2011. So I still got to say he's probably still in the top ten in points. He was first in assists and first in steals in 2011, and I don't know if that's changed. I don't think that's changed. Um, that'll be my homework for the next episode. I'll let everybody know. I did so much on so many guards that I didn't look that up. Um, he won player of the week, a record nine times. He was first team all conference three times, including one player of the year award. Uh, he was also named as a consensus all American, possibly the only thing keeping him from number one is three first round exits from the NCAA tournament. So he went to the tournament and took Oregon state to the tournament three times, but unfortunately bounced in the, uh, the first round, but that's just crazy sixth in conference history. So he's still in the top 10 in points and obviously still in the top five in assists. That's dominance right there. And again, Oregon State, his son's up there, and man, he's got he's got to he's got to hit the recruiting trail for for your alma mater, Ahmad. You got to tell him to hit the trail. He does, but his son's not there anymore. I wanted to clarify that. Like he's he's in the NBA. 
He's actually played for Houston a little bit and some other teams, but he's been up and down from the NBA to G League. Yeah, he had a he had a great two years there as well. But yeah, he's up out of there now. Yeah, I mean, playing where his dad, just like uh, Jalen House. I mean, Eddie House is Sun Devil, and what he did at ASU was, I mean, you could uh, again, you want to take somebody off the bench, just like Clay, that could just sit there and bury buckets. Go back and look at Eddie House too. I mean, I know I, in the in the intro we have, I told you I, I couldn't lose that one. The sixty-one he put up at Cal uh, it was the most points allowed in that arena and a tied like that the, the most in Pac-12 history. So Eddie House, I mean, you talk about you know I know Vinny Johnson was a microwave, but that dude was literally heated up from the second he stepped into the arena. And I, I mean, again, just just to pick five. I mean, and to leave someone like you know, Henry Bibby out or Brandon Roy. I mean, Byron, Tyus Edney. Tyus Edney at UCLA. I mean, that boy was sick too, except he has a famous loss to Princeton because Princeton hit that, hit that buzzer beater in the tournament against him, I think bounced him in the first round. No, no, no. I hadn't heard much about him, but I met him up at UCLA one day when he was an assistant coach. I don't know if he's still the assistant coach there, but I, when he was there, I um, met him up and they were just kind of telling me about him. Like, he was, man, he was really good. He had some game. I remember watching him play too. And it's just, it's, it, it's so, you see these guards. And again, as like you said, as a little kid though, kids go out and yeah, you know, you think of NBA players, but I mean, you're in a town that, you know, doesn't have an NBA team and the college team is everything. Like you're saying, I mean, there were probably kids and I'm not doing it to stroke you, but there are probably kids up in Coral Valley, but you know, started out, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm Gary Payton on the playground. And then you were chucking threes and then they're all like, no, I'm a mod. Look at me. I'm a mod Starks. I'm burying these threes. But the thing we did learn, kids, today is that the, the Pac-8, 10, 12 throughout history probably has, if you went like, if you went all time, like top 100, I would say if there's not 65 Pac-12 guards listed on a top 100 you're do, of all time, you're doing something wrong. There are definitely those forwards and those centers, more so forwards, but that are going to come up, of course, but it's definitely a ton of guards. Um, a ton that 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 rule that that portion of the, if you do a hundred like that you gotta obviously there'll be people Lou Alcindor, or Kevin Love, Bill Walton, you know people like that. But you gotta throw in um, Reggie Miller or Sharif Abdurrahim. So there you have people like that. But the guards are gonna rule, like you said. It's gotta be at least sixty guards um, on there. So you know it's just uh, just speaks to the. Being a big time guard conference all all over the all over the years. So well, one hundred percent. I'm a big fan of it. Like I said, it's uh it's it's <laughs> there's never and and you said it too, but Jerome said it last time. There's never an off game. You're never going into a game thinking, Oh, you're gonna blow somebody out, especially with the matchups that you have, the guys you have sitting there playing defense across from you. Yeah, I remember. Honestly, I remember thinking I was going to get a blowout win against Arizona State a couple of times and, and, or Washington State, but it just didn't happen, even though they weren't that good, you know, standings-wise. Um, but these are still big-time, high-major players, so they just aren't – the team isn't just having a great success, but it's just not like it's going to be an easy out, you know, just like the NBA players, and, you know, it's just how it goes. Oh, absolutely, and you guards were definitely, definitely a huge part of that. Uh, before we get out of there, so uh, training training still going good this week? Oh, training is heavy, man. It's it's it's, it's killing me right now. I got to find some rest days. Probably have one rest day in maybe a month and a half, to be quite honest with you. But uh, I enjoy it. 
and it's the summer. Kids need stuff. Obviously, the pros haven't gone on to their their seasons yet, so I got kids. I got pros. It's uh, it's heavy duty, but I, I love being a stand around the game, and uh, you know, it's, yeah, I couldn't ask for anything else at the moment. Well, that's awesome. And again, training, like you said, pros, young kids, the next uh, the next level of guards that uh, you and you and Jerome are training, man, it's uh, needless to say, there's a little bit of talent out there. So that's awesome. But well, Ahmad and I are going to get out of here again. Don't forget, you can sub- tune in anywhere you get your podcast. Please tune in, uh, subscribe to it every week it comes out. It'll just be right up to you and we will keep you up to date on obviously Hopefully, a season starting. I mean, I know they're talking about fall sports. We're lucky enough because it's in winter. But, again, subscribe to the podcast. We're going to have more guests. Uh, again, you can hit Ahmad up on Twitter, at Starks 3 I'm at Diablo00. You got any suggestions? You want to get in on this? You want to let us know who your top five guards are of all time and your three bench players? Hey, let us know. We're all for it. But hit us up on Twitter. Do that. And don't forget to subscribe. So for my awesome partner, Amon Starks, I'm Michael Caratino. We're going to get out of here. We will see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.